I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. And welcome to Thoughts from the Hairy Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 110 of Thoughts from the Hairy Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to talk about war powers. appreciate you guys tuning in tonight. Well, it's tonight here. It may not be tonight when you're listening, but in any way, whenever it happens to be, I really do appreciate you tuning in. And uh, I'm going to tell you up front, I'm a little bit weary. I almost didn't record this week. Uh, I had to go to court today uh, for a hearing on my lawsuit. If uh, you guys haven't heard about that, that's a pretty interesting story. I'll put some links in the show notes page about it. Basically, the city of Lexington, Kentucky, uh, where I live, is suing me because I asked too many questions. Uh, They're suing me trying to quash an open records request I made regarding surveillance. So I had court today and and, uh, didn't get any resolution yet, but we should have a decision from the judge soon. So like I said, I'll put some links in the show note page if you're interested in learning a little bit more about that. So I'm a little bit brain fried. So, you know, I apologize uh, up front if I say something really goofy. But I wanted to go ahead and get this episode done because I think it's really important to cover this. I want to talk a little bit about war powers. Of course, last week, President Trump uh, launched a missile strike against Syria. And I'm amazed at the number of self-proclaimed constitutional conservatives who support All of these military interventions, particularly military interventions that are just ordered by the president, you know, with no congressional authorization, no congressional discussion, the president just says, hey, I'm going to lob some missiles into some country. And I'm going to make a really bold statement here, and it's probably going to make some of you out there mad, but this is the truth. You cannot claim to be for limited government. You cannot claim to be for constitutional government and simultaneously support all of these military interventions. You just can't do it because war is the antithesis of limited governments. It's an expansion of government. In fact, James Madison said that war posed the greatest threat to our liberty. I'm going to read kind of a long passage from Madison. He said, Of all the enemies to public liberty, war is perhaps the most to be dreaded because it comprises and develops the germ of every other. War is the parent of armies. From these proceed debt and taxes, and armies and debts and taxes are the known instruments for bringing the many under the dominion of the few. 
In war, too, the discretionary power of the executive is extended. Its influence in dealing out offices, honors, and emoluments is multiplied, and all the means of seducing the mind are added to those of subduing the force of the people. The same malignant aspect in republicanism may be traced in the inequality of fortunes and the opportunities of fraud growing out of the state of war, and in the degeneracy of manners and of morals engendered by both, no nation could preserve its freedom in the midst of continual warfare. And today, we, without a doubt, have continual warfare. In fact, there are young people coming of age now who have never known a time when the U.S. was not at war. And none of these wars are constitutional. And and here's the thing. This is what I want to get into today, this issue of war powers. Here's the fact. The president does not have the authority to initiate offensive military actions, not for 90 days, not for 60 days, not for one minute. And yet, my Facebook feed is full of these constitutional conservatives cheerleading Trump's missile strike. Now, honestly, they mostly sound like progressives because they engage in the same verbal gymnastics to justify these unconstitutional actions because they support them. They like the war. And so they're going to you know, bend over backwards to try to figure out some way to convince me that this is constitutional. This is perfectly legitimate. You know, We have the commander-in-chief, and the commander-in-chief can do whatever he wants with the military. No, this is not what the founding generation said. In fact, they were emphatically opposed to allowing a single individual to have the power to take the U.S. into war. That's why the Constitution delegates that power to Congress. Now, European kings, they often took their countries to war, and that rarely worked out very well for the population at large. It's just like Madison said. It's, it expands government. It raises taxes. We end up with surveillance state at home. All of this war-making has huge impacts domestically. You cannot, I'm going to reemphasize this, you cannot have limited government and war at the same time. They're just mutually exclusive. So the founding generation did not want a single individual to have the power to take the country into war. That's why they delegated that authority to Congress. As James Madison put it in a letter to Thomas Jefferson, he said, the Constitution supposes what the history of all governments demonstrates, that the executive is the branch of power most interested in war and most prone to it. It is accordingly, with studied care, vested the question of war in the legislature. So there's really no question. If you go and look at the ratification debates, it is undeniable that the intention was for Congress to have sole authority to send troops into action. The commander-in-chief becomes commander-in-chief once wars have been initiated. And, and they talk about how they wanted those two functions separate. They did not want the same person running the war to be the person who could engage in the war. Now, most of the right-wing apologists for Trump's missile strike and, and pretty much any other military intervention, uh, they use the War Powers Resolution of 1973, and they argue that that makes any attack legal. Uh, it's as if Congress can suddenly trump the Constitution by passing a law, and it can't. By passing the War Powers Resolution, Congress effectively punted its responsibility to make decisions about war to the president. So under this law, the president can unilaterally run military operations for 60 days without any approval. 
Sometime within that time frame, he has to get congressional authorization. If Congress doesn't approve the action, then the president has another 30 days to cease military operations and get troops out of the uh, engagement. Okay, so here's the big problem with that. There's nothing in the Constitution authorizing Congress to pass the buck. In fact, doing so violates a basic constitutional rule of construction. From, from a legal standpoint, the Constitution is basically just a contract. It creates a union of states. The people of the states are the principal, and the federal government is the agent. Now, in contract law, when a principal delegates power to an agent, the agent can't simply transfer its power to another party unless there's specific direction in the contract. In other words, if I delegated you some power in a contract, I made you my agent, and I gave you some power, you couldn't just pass those off to your brother-in-law. Not unless I gave you explicit permission. So no such authorization exists. Therefore, Congress can't simply give the president a blank check and allow him to make decisions about war based on his own discretion. Congress must always make that call, and they must make it specifically before initiation of military action. So the War Powers Resolution completely undermines the Founders' intent. They wanted to ensure war-making power was kept out of the hands of a single individual. They did not want the president running around acting like a king. They didn't want the commander-in-chief to have the authority to start a war. That's why they strictly separated the power to initiate war and the power to ex execute it. And this isn't debatable. Like I said, if you can go back to the ratification debates, it is very clear. It was said over and over again in multiple states that only Congress would have the power to initiate offensive military action. I'll just give you one quote. This is from James Wilson of Pennsylvania, who was a leading uh, supporter of the Constitution, probably one of the most influential Federalists. And he said, this system will not hurry us into war. It is calculated to guard against it. It will not be in the power of a single man or a single body of men to involve us in such distress, for the important power of declaring war is vested in the legislature at large. So in the show notes page, I'm going to put some links to articles that I've written on war powers, and uh, that will help flesh out this issue a little bit more. But this is extremely important. Like I said, when the president has this much authority, it's extremely detrimental to our liberty. And I've got to be honest, conservatives look like fools running around demanding a strict interpretation of the Second Amendment while puking out verbal vomit to justify the latest foreign policy boondoggle. It's got to stop. We need the Constitution every issue, every time. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Mary Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and spread the word. And feel free to send me any thoughts or ideas to michael.mahary at 10thamendmentcenter.com. And if you haven't done it already, please head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. You can do it for free. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.